also speaks at great lengths to the real, the sin, the imperfection, the resistance and estrangement from God. And it's this narrative of the ideal and real that continues on until Christ returns the second time, yeah, or returns. And so it is this battle with the flesh on a very personal, individual level that will be the basis of our text. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, you can be turning there or scrolling there. Um, But this battle that the spirit and the flesh is depicted, this ideal of submitting and trusting to our God in Christ, and then the very real intrusion and uh, allure of our flesh. So that's going to be kind of where we're going. Um, we're going to enter into the presence of God through prayer now, and then I'll be giving you a larger introduction. But Galatians five thirteen through 26 will be the body of our text, okay? Heavenly Father, we come before you, and as I prayed just a few minutes ago, Lord God, we recognize that you are, in fact, perfect. But yet you are not distant in your perfection. You came in the immaculate conception through the birth canal of a woman you created and enfleshed yourself in all of the frailties that we share as human beings, yet remaining perfect. You love perfectly. You extend mercy perfectly. You extend justice perfectly. You are perfectly righteous and wise. You are perfectly kind yet strong. You are perfectly a provider, yet a tester of our hearts and lives. And we ask for your grace that we would even be able to listen to your word. Certainly that I would be able to teach it. But that we would do more than listen. That it would transform us. That it would launch us into a life that is molded with Christ within us. A hope of glory. Amen. So, sometimes it is helpful um, to get context for the text as you may have heard many times. And this is intentionally, I'm not going to be running off the rails. I'm not going to be keeping you here till noon or anything like that. We're going to go in the back door to get to the living room of Galatians 5. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to talk about a man's devotion. We're going to move to a man's theology. And then finally, we'll sit at the living room of Galatians 5 and we'll listen to a man's warning. So let's begin with a man's devotion. I'd like for a moment you to set some of your uh, pre-knowledge. Many of you are seasoned, mature, biblically literate folk. Try to set that down for a moment. Don't say, oh, I already know where this is going. Try to just be with me for five minutes. Um, imagine traveling hundreds of miles before there were airplanes or cruise ships. Going to a distant land of some whom would share your ethnicity and religious background and some whom would not share your ethnicity or religious background, but all of whom would be your strangers. And you were going there for one purpose, to share a message of life and hope that these people could be reconciled to their creator through faith in Jesus Christ. So this particular man and his devotion set out on such a journey, moving hundreds of miles and catching a few cities en route. And often a similar thing would occur. 
He would start off with those who he was ethnically close to, although he was strangers to them, and who had a similar religious background, and he would begin to proclaim this message of Christ, this message of hope. And he, some of those who were different ethnically would be in the midst, um, and he would get a mixed reception. Some would joyously hear the message of hope in Christ and believe. Others would be skeptical and unsure, and yet others, a third group, would be so affected and offended by the message of life through Christ alone that they would literally rally together, would politic together, would plan together. You know, you have committees and church meetings. They would have synagogue meetings, and they say, how can we kill this man and his message? Nowadays, we, we vote pastors out, and that's hard because i got to feed my family. They, they, they weren't voting the pastor out. They, they weren't in the church saying, I didn't quite like his eloquence today. The donuts are gone today. I'm upset. That's not the message of these folks. They were saying, okay, so are we going to kill him next week or this week? Where, what parking lot can we mug this guy in and murder him? That's the tenor. That's the flesh and bone, the context of this man's devotion. And so he went into such a city after being in a couple cities with that mixed reception, but he escaped any physical harm. A miracle was performed through the spirit of Christ in him. He healed a man. He continued to preach the message of hope. And then the two cities, they were so diligent in their pursuing of a death sentence, they came and they said, you know what? I know you guys are real happy about this guy. You actually were, you actually were, some of you were worshiping him, thinking he was a god, like Zeus or Hermes. But I'd like to persuade you with eloquence and fleshly hatred that we need to kill him. So they gathered up a crowd, a mob, if you will, and they took this devoted man and they stoned him to death. And some of you are biblically literate, so you're saying, oh, no, he didn't die. Just hold, just, just stay with it for a minute. They stoned him because when you stone someone, you throw rocks at them till they're unconscious, till their face is broken, their pores are bleeding. It is visceral, it is violent. If we don't get into the Bible, if it doesn't rip our chest cavity open, if it doesn't cause us to feel that it's more important than the football game or the news, we're not reading the Bible. They broke him, literally. With rocks until they thought he was dead. The job was done. They'd killed the man of devotion and his message. His friends came over to him and found out that actually he wasn't dead. Just almost. He revived and this man of devotion went back into the city that they just threw rocks at him till he almost died. You'll find this, by the way, in Acts chapters 13 and 14. I'm giving you a summary story because it's an introduction to Galatians 5. It's relevant, I assure you. Then he left for a city that was nearby to continue to preach the message of life in Christ alone. And on the way back through, before he went home, you know, he got a latte and uh, he went to a preacher's conference and they gave him a big buffet. No, no, no. He went back to that city and he said, you know what we ought to do? We ought to get the few people 
who actually believed in the Christ and we ought to gather them together and strengthen them and encourage them. I know that, 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 that my body is still bruised. I know that my bones still ache from the rocks that hit them and I know my face is still scabbed with the blood. But I'm going to gather them together in a little room. It won't be a preacher's conference. And I'm going to say, we must endure many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Because I want to strengthen them and prepare them. Pastor Jim's been doing that for us for about 33 years now. This is going to tie in to Galatians 5. This man of devotion, many of you biblically literate and astute folks know this is the Apostle Paul. This was his first missionary journey with Barnabas and John Mark before John Mark bailed. And it is why it's relevant to an introduction to the book of Galatians because where was that stoning? Ah, one of the cities in southern Galatia. Where was those Jewish conspirers came down from the capital, Antioch, Pisidian. I'm sure you can correct me on the pronunciation of that, but it was basically the capital of Galatia. So it's possible, and yes, I'm being somewhat sarcastic to keep you amused for a moment, but make no mistake, my goal here is not amusement. It is possible he cared about the people he preached to. It's possible that he was consumed with the devotion, that true doctrine always, and I repeat, always leads to true devotion. With the face scabbed with the blood of the stones, he said, I'm going to go back to them because they need to know what's real. I would pray that we all would grow to such a devotion. If you find yourself content with true doctrine, I'm pausing for dramatic effect, just true doctrine, you have missed the Christ. You have missed the Christ. You are missing it. True doctrine consumes us. It compels us. It transforms us. It informs us. And the Apostle Paul was a man of devotion. Secondly, by way of introduction, don't worry, Galatians 5 is in sight. We will get there. But it is rooted in the letter to the Galatian Christians. So it's important to note that when he is teaching them about some of the sufferings that they will endure to enter the kingdom of God, that we know the context. And I just wanted to personify it that way. Secondly, a man's theology. Remember, we're going through a man's devotion, a man's theology, and then we'll end in a man's warning. A man's theology could be summed up in seven words. And yes, now the suspense is out. It's the Apostle Paul, so we can just call him Paul if you want. The Apostle Paul's theology, which was given to him by none other than the living God, the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, was summed up in seven words. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Many would say he's one of the most sophisticated biblical thinkers of the New Testament, multilingual, uh, a Pharisee, uh, a Jew, the tribe of Benjamin, had the pedigree, had the training. And yet you could sum up his, his, his theology in his seven-word statement to the letter of Colossae. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In this seven-word uh, theology, the Holy Spirit of God, through the Apostle Paul, has disclosed to us the heart of the gospel. This is all relevant to Galatians 
and, 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 and Galatians 5 and our battle with the flesh and the, and the spirit. And this is the heart of the gospel is that our sin separates us from God who is life. And the reconciliate, oh, excuse me, and that separation, unless there is salvation, will last for eternity. Our salvation reconciles us to God who is life, and that reconciliation will also last for eternity. You can see those encapsulated in Christ in you, the very spirit of the person of Jesus in you when you become a believer, the hope of glory. Can you not see that wrapped in there? What, what is, what is going to become apparent in a few minutes is that we can be bewitched into pursuing something other than that to enhance and assure our spiritual well-being. We can actually, like the Galatians, that word bewitched is used one time in the New Testament, and it does mean almost like getting a spell of allure cast over you, something where you're kind of beguiled, deceived into believing. You're, you're, You're tantalized. Come on this way and believe this thing. And all of a sudden you're in a stupor, you're in a trance, and you're believing something that you ought not. Trust in. He says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that having begun in the spirit, you are now going to be made perfect by the flesh. Ah, therein sets the table for our living room experience in Galatians 5, which we all will see a great deal of relevance. The, the notion is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory is just that. It's a personal relationship with the living God, not a particular code that you can control in your own fleshly strength. What was the theological problem of the Galatian Christians that he wrote this letter to? Some of you know it. If you do, wonderful. If you don't, now you will. Those Hateful Jewish influencers would come to those who were not Jewish by ethnicity and they would quote to them Genesis 17. And I will read Genesis 17 for you verbatim. This is God speaking to Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. And he probably 2000 years before the apostle Paul and these Galatian Christians were born. This is a verse from God to to Abraham. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So a good Jew would know that and a good Jewish man, and they would be men who would be teaching, would be circumcised in their flesh. And by the way, Apostle Paul, in fact, was circumcised. He goes to great length to discuss that, Philippians 3. But... What they were doing is they were coming to those who had laid down their life before Jesus, the resurrected king, and said, forgive me and take me. And they said, well, that's good, but what you really need to do to enhance and ensure that you're one of God's chosen is you need to be circumcised. And they'd point to that verse, wouldn't they? It'd be a pretty compelling argument, wouldn't you? If you were a new Christian... Didn't know anything. It would be kind of compelling. Could it be bewitching even? Because remember, we deal in a day of political correctness. We deal in a day of civility. We deal in a day of modicum of suggestions. And oh, they dealt in a day of, if you disagree with me, I'm going to take you out back and kill you. 
That's how, you know, Harvard and, and Yale, they have these religious uh, uh, seminary degrees and they all get and they drink Starbucks and they discuss different points of view. That's how they got down to business. You disagree with us, we will kill you. We've already tried to kill your leader and teacher, the Apostle Paul. We just had one rock too few. You need to understand the weight of Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is a person to live for. He's the source of your life. He's the one that infuses you with any sense of hope. And if there's anything that's alluring about the flesh, we need to ask God for help daily to let it die. Because let me promise you, it's a suspense killer. It's a spoiler alert. Let me assure you, this is what is going to happen to everything you hold dear that's rooted in the flesh. It's going to die. The spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Those are words from Jesus Christ in John 6. I am a debtor not to the flesh, but to the Lord. Those are words of uh, the apostle Paul in Romans. So now we're going to get into the living room and we're going to discuss Galatians 5 and its text. But now we have this rich context and we still have plenty of time. Now I can give you a joke, like 45 minutes or an hour, right? You guys ready? You guys you loosen up a little bit. But no, we have plenty of time to dive in now. But now you're, you're with me. You're, you're connected to a man of devotion. You understand we are not up here teaching so you can know more stuff about the Bible. We're up here teaching the word of God so you can be transformed into a man and woman of devotion that puts your utter faith in Christ alone, in you, dwelling within you, never leaving you, never forsaking you, the hope of glory, eternity. That is your rock. And we're going to go through the list of the flesh. And I know what some of you are going to do. Because you're like me. You're going to say, I'm not really on that list. Like, I'm actually a pretty good guy. Like, that's some like biker gang stuff like i don't i don't don't know what you're doing this is church like maybe you should take that to somewhere else the prison where you came from like this is this is not i'm not on that list but i'm gonna i'm gonna show you and i'm gonna i'm gonna pose a question before just to whet our appetites before we get into galatians 5 and i'm gonna say it this way and i know that i'm speaking to ladies too let's not get stuck in the weeds of anatomy right now what is your circumcision What is your circumcision? The thing that draws and bewitches you that is good. Because was circumcision bad? Was circumcision made by the devil? Because you're going to read on this list. I'm just getting, again, a little spoiler alert. You're going to read orgies and drunkenness. You're like, I don't do that. I don't even know how to spell that. That's weird. Uh, We're in church. That's your mouth, preacher. You're going to read this list. You'd be like, I I don't do that. I'm asking you a serious question that the context of Galatians, the man of devotion asks you. What is your circumcision? The thing that is starting off as noble, but you've clung to it so tightly that it's become, as Pastor Jim said last Sunday, and I wrote him to tell him that it encouraged me, just an ego trip. And Pastor Jim said, God has been methodically teeing off on his ego for the last 60 years. Pastor Jim's not been doing any orgies or raves. He doesn't have a testimony like me. He wasn't biker ganging it. He grew up in the church, wanted to be a pastor since he was 13. How bad could the guy be? But God said, I see the flesh in you and you'll love it. Mama, what is your circumcision? What is the flesh in you that you love? That Why do you love it? 
Because like the Judaizers, it promises you life, but it never delivers. Now we're ready to sit at the table in the living room, having come through the back door. Galatians 5, verse 13 and following. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Some translations even say they are at war with each other. So that you do not do what it is that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, and that of course is the Spirit of Christ in you, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Here comes a list. Get ready. Sexual immorality impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, we're going to camp on that, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. We're going to go down now and we're going to extrapolate from that. Much of it doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. I think it's just good for our souls to sit under the weight of it. But as promised, we're going to unpack it a little bit at a time with The guiding question, what is your circumcision? Because you remember the context of the Galatian Christian. They were happy that they had given themselves to Christ. They were happy about the freedom from the consequences of sin. They were happy about this new renewed fellowship with the God of the universe. And yet somehow there was a bewitchment, an allure about this idea that you can actually add to your salvation if you do something that's really good that isn't necessary for you, but I'll make sure you feel it's necessary. And you need to get circumcised. Why was that alluring? Well, I can't be a psychoanalytic from individual Galatian Christians mind who died 2,000 years ago, but what I can say, knowing myself and human character in the Bible, is this. You can boast about it, 
because you can quantify it and point to it. We love things that we can measure and point to. I did this. I got circumcised. I want to have something that I can add to a simple childlike faith in Christ to enhance and assure me of my spiritual well-being. I want to make sure my wedding ring is always on, but I don't always want to humble myself to my wife. Why? Because it's easy to keep this gold ring shiny. It's much harder to live into the intimacy of relationship that requires things of me that I may not want to give. I talked to a sister this morning and she put it this way, and I don't think she'd mind if I borrow her imagery because it's relevant and it's poignant. She's in the connection with Jesus. She's coming to know the Lord more and she kind of just thought in a visual sense, not that she had a vision, but just that she was thinking in a visual sense. And it was as if she was kind of holding her flesh like a decaying corpse and she was confessing to the Lord that I love it. How can I set it down? Isn't that just about right? Don't look at this list and find all the things on it that you don't struggle with. That will do you not a bit of good. Selfish ambition is on the list. How much ego is in your ministry? I had one of the most difficult weeks that I've had in a long time. It's often that it's difficult before you get the privilege to preach. God, I have a saying, won't let you talk about it till you walk about it. But my wife can attest, maybe with eyes rolled, um, that I really struggled seeing how much flesh really is in this guy this week. It's, 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 it's embarrassing. It's humbling. It's absolutely the food stuff of the recipe for devotion. Being maybe in a conservative evangelical Bible teaching church, maybe it's sitting under good Bible teaching. Maybe that's your circumcision. Yep. I heard it again. Pastor Jim, man, he really know that Bible. Ooh, that was good. I like to keep it at arm's distance. Sunday between 9.42 and 10.17. If he's on time, 10.28. But man, it was good. I like this fire. It was good. Ooh, yeah. It's good. Good Bible teaching. I I haven't been changed in 26 years, but man, I go every Sunday. Man, I sure do love it. Maybe that's your circumcision. Maybe your circumcision is... Your, for me, I know that I don't want to speak for all of you because I can't possibly do that. But I want you to burrow into your soul and you to confront the text with the Holy Spirit. I want you to be encouraged about the Spirit, but I also want you to face what's real. We love our flesh. For me, it's control. And you know what? This is how I justify it. Just like they would justify getting circumcised. I don't want to control anybody to do anything bad. I just want to control them to do good in my sight, on my time, in my way. That's all. Dang, Wendy and the kids, if we could just get right, we could just, and, and that's cold for get David. If we could just divinivize everything, we'd be all right. See, some of they ain't laughing. But the thing is, is this is real life. I don't do this for a paycheck or they might give me one, but I've been doing this in prison for free. This 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is calling for every aspect of you. I have a saying, and it's appropriate here. Christ actually never plays games with you. He's patient with you while you play games with him. He's never, he's never played games. He asked you for a hundred percent of yourself. He asked you to die for all the things that you think are good, but he didn't want you to put your hand to right now. Or he doesn't want you to put your hand in the way you are. Selfish ambition. That's a tough one. Hatred. You know that Jesus said in the first sermon on the Mount, hatred is the root of murder, yeah? I look out at this congregation, I'm pretty sure I can say nobody's killed a man. But how many times have you indulged hatred? The other political party, the person in traffic, the in-law. How how, how you indulge that flesh? We're called here to die to the flesh so that we may live. Christ in us, the hope of glory. What is your circumcision? It will also be interesting to note and worthy of mention that when he says, and the Bible does this a lot, we sometimes think in boxes, we just can't have anything separated from our understanding. We get real nervous. But but the Bible actually doesn't teach and work like that. Um, he says that the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, is that the entire law? If, if you if you remember Mark 12, Jesus summarizes it and he says that you got to love your Lord, your God with all your heart. So so where's the God part in this? Is Paul, is Paul a heretic? I mean, what's going on? What's going on right now? We're nervous. Just Just flow with the text. He's borrowing from Leviticus the Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse that Jesus borrows from and smacks them together because he in fact is God so he can do that well. And the two go together like hand and glove. So we can surmise, love God with all you got and love your neighbor as yourself. But he's borrowing it from the book of Leviticus, which is in a long list of do's and don'ts that many of us get bored by even referencing. But what is the purpose of the book of Leviticus? To teach you of the holiness of God. And what is the purpose of loving your neighbor as yourself? To show that you don't belong to yourself anymore, but the God who is love and loves you. When you lay down your pride in an argument because Jesus Christ is in you, you are witnessing of that second commandment, are you not? But how hard is that to do? It's excruciating depending upon how vested you are in the argument. The flesh and the spirit are going to war with us, dear Christians, until we get new bodies that don't have this corruptible flesh. We need to be meditating daily on what is our circumcision so that we can lay it down and receive the spirit of life that is found in Christ. So now let's move on to the more uplifting part. The fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever, verse 22. First, this is just a small clerical error, but it does relate at some point to something more substantive. How many of you have either said or heard someone say, I'm just trying to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits? They're adding an S. Now I know you think, oh great, you're just a preacher, you just have nothing better to say, so you want to talk about an S. No, there's something that's more relevant than that. But y'all, y'all got me right. And there's, there's nine of them. There's nine fruits that are like popping up apples on a branch. And, 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 but oh, here it comes. We're going deep now. You ready? Boop. 
And how many of you then have tried to focus on one of those fruits to cultivate that in yourself? I'm going to, you know, you know, babe, today I'm going to be more patient. I'm just going to be more patient today. And you focus all on patience. But you're not very kind. (laughs) I've been suffering a long time. I've been, the inside of my cheek is raw for me biting it. But, 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 but I'm a grump. This is why it's important to read the Bible carefully. It is not the fruits of the Spirit. There are not nine of them. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And how does, and it's, it's like a, a multifaceted diamond with many layers of light. And it's the character of, oh, here it comes again, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the person who lives in you that you want to let out. And the only way that person is in you and lets out is if you die. That's why Paul got together with the bloody scabs on his face. And he said, come here now, children. Come here. Let me let your spiritual daddy tell you something. You're going to have to enter into many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. In order for that Christ in you to actually be on display for others, that flesh is going to have to be battered and bruised. So do not consider it unusual, unique, or that you are somehow getting singled out if God is battering and bruising your flesh so that the Christ in you can be revealed more clearly to others. Because if I in my... here, This is so important. If Please don't miss this. If you take from this message or you read Galatians 5 and you take it and you put on your good old hard-pressed bootstrap work ethic and you say, I'm just going to go be more loving to those people I don't like and you're fleshly driven in that, that becomes your circumcision. That becomes your token and trophy of your own merit. Well, I love those three people I hated. Doing good. I'm not patient though. And I don't have any self-control, but I did pick out those three people, man, and I did give them a Christmas basket, and it just about killed me. I cussed out everybody on the way home, though. We cannot cultivate the person of Jesus. It's like a gift that's wrapped really tightly with ugly, decaying wrapping. The gift's great. The only way to get to the gift is cut through, crucify, rip up and burn that wrapping paper. Why I texted or I was emailed Pastor Jim is because what I, what I was mentioning here as I was preparing this message is how often we are fooled, we are bewitched into thinking the things that we love about the flesh are actually God honoring. Well, God loves me some hard work. I love me some hard work. You know, just getting it done. You haven't checked in with the spirit of Christ in 19 years. You just love hard work. God, God, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting God loves a sluggard. Don't, don't try to go over the other ditch. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm talking to you if it applies. You know, I just found in Proverbs, I just read the Proverbs today and he said, love hard work. And I just put on, I just do the hard work. And those lazy bums over there, you know, whatever. <laughs> You're off base, baby. You're off base. You're not pursuing Christ. You're pursuing a characteristic that you found in the Bible in your flesh. 
You're finding comfort in your circumcision. You need to learn. I'm not saying nothing wrong with hard work. Nothing wrong with doing, getting give, 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 give baskets to the, to the enemies. But if we don't recognize that the biblical teaching is that we would so be convinced and in agreement with Christ that there's nothing good in my flesh. And we are willing to lay it down even if it looks and smells good to us and others. It's a decaying corpse. And like my sister said, it first starts with a prayer like this. Lord, I love it. I love control. I love to-do lists. I love anal retentiveness. I love being on time for everything. On time is 15 minutes early. I just love it. It just makes me feel good. And my wife says, you're killing me. You are killing me. And I say, it's okay. It'll be all right. Just get used to it. It's like, it's like water. If we just, it's just, you ease on into it. Pretty soon, you'll just be used to it. It's Christianity Dave's way. And I can point to all scriptures. You know, I use the Bible pretty good. I talk pretty fast. Just like them Judaizers. I can bewitch myself into thinking that my control and my own version of goodness is actually spirit-led. Don't be bewitched, Christians. We need to trust in Christ alone. And so when he goes on to say, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those things do not come from me when I look at me. Those will not come from you when you look at you and just try harder. Those come when you look at Christ. Just like you look to him for salvation, you have to look to him for sanctification. It's a package deal. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the word of God, which is so penetrating, so personal, so transforming that it really just gets in us. And it just does something to us that no other book alive does because it's written by you. And we want to pray for each person here, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would help them, Lord, in their journey, and they would learn what it means, Lord, in their specific areas to let that circumcision go, to find their true purpose and value in Christ alone. In Jesus' name, amen.